0: Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help busy people reclaim good practices for faith and life. Here's your host, Tony Meltenberger. All right,
1: well, hey, welcome everybody to the podcast. I'm here with my lifelong friend and mentor, Reverend David Hood. Hey, Tony. Damn. So glad to be here, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you at now? What are you doing? What do you kind of, what's the scope of your life?
0: Yeah. So, uh, I'm in the, I think 15th year of ordained ministry in the United Methodist Church. I'm in my fourth appointment. Um, currently I'm serving at, uh, Cornerstone Church in Westchester in Ohio. Now appointment is like job, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's my, the fourth church I've served in. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And, uh, so, uh, you know, Cornerstone is a, uh, um, 25 year old church plant and, uh, um, I've been there about six months, and so we're kind of learning each other's rhythms, and and we're still in that kind bit of bit of that honeymoon phase. Um, they're they're learning who Dave is, and I'm learning who Cornerstone is.
1: And you guys had to move actually to take that
0: position, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We were living on the uh, southwest side of Cincinnati, and we moved up to uh, up to Westchester, uh, moved our family there, and and. Uh, um, yeah, That was a, it's always a major process when you move, but, uh, I find so that just,
1: just for a, a point of clarity, who, who is kind of your family? Who did you have to move with?
0: Yeah. So, uh, my wife and I, we've been married, uh, just last week, we celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary. Wow. Uh, congratulations. Well, I, You're I old. Got, I got married when I was four uh, <laughs> <laughs> <our> 28th <laughs> wedding anniversary. And, uh, um, we, no, we did get, we got married when we were 18 years old and uh, I would not recommend that. Um, we had four children by the time I was 25. Um, no, wait, why
1: Why would you not recommend that? Because 28 years, I mean, you guys have like done it. What? I mean, what What would be your biggest, like, hey, I'm 18, I want to get married. Dave, yeah, talk it, me out of it. it.
0: You know, it's just hard. You, at 18, you don't know what you don't know. And um, not only did we get married, we had children immediately Uh, We moved away from anybody who was related to us, Um, and so we were, it was just kind of Julie and I all by ourselves, and though we grew up fast, and we grew up tight together, um, and uh, I'll always be thankful for those days. Those were some really, really hard days. We not only did we not know how to be us as individuals, but we didn't know how to be married, and we didn't know how to be parents. And we were doing all three of those at the same time. And uh, it was it was a real challenge. We we are uh, Julie and I often say whenever we come to bumps in the road, um, this is nothing compared to those first 10 years. So uh, our, our kind of our motto is if we can make it through that, we can make it through anything. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So now the good side of that is now I'm 46 years old and we are empty nesters. Um, all four of my kids are off and doing their own thing. Um, my son, my youngest is in college, um, getting ready to graduate with an accounting degree. We just put my youngest daughter on an airplane yesterday. She's moving to the UK for a year. That's Uh, incredible. Yeah, it's incredible and scary and terrifying and fun and exciting and just this whole mix of crazy crap. Um, and, uh, um, Our middle daughter is married. Uh, We have two grandchildren now. And uh, so our new motto is, grandparenting is the reward for not murdering your children. (laughs) You know, I feel like I've
1: heard that from lots
0: of grandparents, actually. It's so true. It's the best. So Julie and I, we're kind of dealing with the old empty nest thing, trying to figure that out, trying to uh, make sure, thankfully... About five years ago, a wise person uh, running about ten years out and ahead of me um, gave me some great advice, and he said, "Dave, life's about to change dramatically when your kids move out. Um, you and your wife need to figure out something to talk about besides work and kids." Um, and uh, and so we, about five years ago, we made did went through an intentional strategy of starting to date again, and you know had some rules. We're not talking about kids or work tonight. Um, and uh, um, I'm, you're, I'm,
1: you're a pretty driven guy. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. Right. How, how did you get to a place where you could go out with your wife and not talk about work?
0: Um, it, it's really hard because, you know, my my work is not only my job, it's my calling. It's my identity. It's my life, you know. Um, so we do talk about faith and we do talk about um uh, you know, our, our experience of, of one another and of God. Um, but to talk about the details of, Hey, yesterday at the office, this stupid thing happened, or that stupid thing happened. Um, uh, we just kind of had to put a time out on all of that and, uh, um, and really be intentional about making sure that, uh, our lives were bigger than just what we do, but more about who we are. Um, so it was hard at first and we weren't always really great at it. Sometimes we'd have, you know, we'd get through the salad and that'd be about it. (laughs) 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 So, so what'd you do at work today? Um, um, But we're getting better at it. You know, I think like everything else, you just gotta, you gotta work at it, stay focused and be intentional.
1: That's awesome. So you're, you're six months into a new church call. You're a grandfather to to, two beautiful uh, grandkids. Uh, What's the hardest thing in your life to
0: balance right now? (sighs) I'd say t- two things. I think for me, one of the hardest things is is this whole empty nest deal. Um, I didn't realize um, I'm a bit of an introvert. Um, you know, I'm a functional introvert is what I call myself. So, uh, wait, wait t- tell me more about that. What does that mean? It, functional it introvert? means um, I love crowds um, as long as I'm in charge. <laughs> That's what it means. It means mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I uh, <laughs> I love being in a Jam packed full church when there's a purpose and an intent for that kind of stuff. Um, but my if I don't make it into heaven, my hell will be Walmart on Christmas Eve, uh, <laughs> just, you know, just these masses of wandering people. That uh, it's just yeah, no it, offense to anybody who likes that sort of thing, right? It just terrifies me. Um, I, I've learned to function, I also know of myself because I'm an introvert, you know, um, uh, as a kind of front of the house kind of guy. I, I spent a lot of my time in the front of the house and do being the people guy. Um, but I know that means on Sunday afternoons, I need a four hour nap. Um, cause it just that, um, I love it, but it's exhausting for me. Um, and so, uh, uh, being a bit of an introvert, um, I always expected. And, um, when my kids moved out, a nice quiet house would mean heaven for me. Um, What I realized was that um, um, it's also lonely. Um, Mm. It's also, um, you know, I I draw a lot of meaning and significance in my life from the people who are around me. Um, And so um, I haven't really been able to categorize that really well. But uh, um, And so finding ways to to connect, you know, uh, (laughs) we did something I never thought we would do. We went out and got a puppy. Um, I, I said, I need something wagging its tail when I walk in the door. That's, you know, whatever it is. Uh, um, and, uh, so we went out and got a puppy and that was, uh, you know, so, you know, just balancing. Well, so so Has the puppy been working for you? I mean, do you feel like it's helping you deal with it's the loneliness? Ray? Right, yes. Uh, me and Ruby, we're, we're best buds. Uh, and, uh, and what, what kind of dog is Ruby? Uh, she's a Bichon Shih Tzu mix. Um, they call her a teddy bear, um, because you're not allowed to say shit's on. <laughs> All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, um, and so, so I think, you know, still, we're still trying to figure out that balancing that, that emptiness kind of deal, you know, also I would say, you know, for the first 15 years of, of our marriage, um, our whole marriage was focused around my career, my calling, my education, my job. Um, my wife was a stay at home mom for a long time. Um, now she's working at uh, St. Joseph's orphanage in Cincinnati, and she has found this incredible sense of meaning and purpose and significance and, uh, um, her calling. Um, and so I, to be honest with you, um, you know, uh, sharing the spotlight with Saint Joe has been a bit of a an ego challenge for me. Um, oh, tell me more about that. Yeah, so you know, uh, before that, you know, her whole her whole kind of life was wrapped up in what I was doing, and you know, it was it's very strange for me because I would always say you know hey you need to find your calling you need to find the thing that gives you meaning and purpose you know uh, you know and then she did it <laughs> and then she did and then i got like wait where'd you go <laughs> um, and uh uh and, but you know so i'm so proud of her i'm so happy for her and she you know i'm watching her come home every day just feeling like she's changing the world and i love that for her Um, But but there is a part of me, a selfish ego part of me that just misses those days when her whole life revolved around me, (laughs) Mm.
1: Um,
0: you know, and uh, and so that's been a been an interesting challenge. Not a not a bad one, but but a challenging one. Um, I think that you're ahead. I was going
1: to say being that you're type A and and I um, kind of a a driven guy and you've got kind of this loneliness thing that could happen at home if you let it. And then your wife's in her calling, what's preventing you from working a hundred hours a week?
0: Um, (laughs) at this point, not a lot. And I, I, uh, I need to put more boundaries in my life. Uh, the, uh, I've recognized that, uh, right now, um, I could, I, uh, what I know about Dave is that Dave is an addict, um, and sure. and I it, you know I don't know if that's a trait of type A's or if that's just a Dave trait, um, but it's I ve- sure, it
1: certainly resonates with me.
0: Yeah, it's very easy for me to get addicted to anything: addicted to work, addicted to sex, addicted to alcohol, addicted to you know just um, I always uh, say that you know I'm addicted to more, um, yeah. and uh, and so. For me, I have to have some really careful boundaries in my life. Uh, you're one of those. Um, I've got sure, some accountability sure. partners um, who are who are holding me accountable. Um, I got, you know, I've also learned from some pretty hard crashes and burns in my life how important it is to um, have some balance in in life. And and uh, um, I've been to the I've been to the bad place, and I don't want to go there again. So uh, that's one thing that I think that fear. Kind of keeps me from uh, from working a hundred hours a week.
1: Now, do you can you see yourself now when you feel like you're sliding into a dark place? I mean, like, what's the difference between now and when you had those hard crashes? Uh,
0: I I was telling a friend of mine the other day um, that uh, my the way I understand my own addictive nature um, is. Almost like there's a uh, like a shadow living in me and I can feel it. I can literally feel it. This is going to sound so weird to those of you who don't struggle with addiction and stuff like that. But I can literally feel it when I put a boundary around area A. I can literally feel that shadow picking up and moving to boundary B um, to, to area B of my life where, um, where I don't have quite s- such tight boundaries. Um, now that, and, I mean,
1: I, I was wondering if you could, without sharing too much or anything that's too personal, could you, could you give me like a example? I mean, like help put that into context. Like if, if you're trying to put a boundary around work.
0: Yeah. So, um, uh, 10 years ago I was on, I was on a work addiction tear. And, uh, and it, it almost destroyed my family. I almost I lost my job. I lost my almost lost my family. I, I almost stepped out of church ministry altogether because I was so, so work driven. Um, I put some really hardcore boundaries around that. Um, and what I noticed is that immediately it that that shadow is the best way I know how to describe it, picked up and moved into um, a sex addiction. Yeah. And not I never cheated on my wife or anything like that. But it was just I could feel this this whole need for more shift into that area of my life. So I put some boundaries around that. Um, And then, you know, then I you know, there was a a point where I was struggling with uh, alcohol drinking too much, you know, after I put some boundaries. around, You know, so it feels like I've watched this shadow side of me just look for new ways to exert its influence in my life, and uh, um, I'm at a point in my life where where um, it's not about for me. It's not about chemical addiction and those types of things, although those are real. Uh, for me, this is this is a bit of spiritual warfare. I think uh, I think um, the adversary knows that a healthy, vital, um, God-focused Dave is very dangerous to uh, (laughs) to uh, to the cause of um, bringing down the world and uh, any way to keep me um, out of focus from from what God is doing in my life or what God wants to do in my life is a win. Um, So, again, I, you know, um, recently put some boundaries around, you know, uh, when can I have a glass of wine? Um, you know, those types of things and put some, put some really hardcore boundaries around that. And so there's this sense in my life where I'm thinking, all right, I'm interested to see where this lands next. <laughs> I,
1: you know, well, let, let's, let's drill down on the boundaries a little bit. Cause I I think, I mean, that certainly resonates with me. And I, I imagine it resonates with a lot of leaders and people out there, busy people. Um, How, how do you, how do you one decide what a boundary is and two, how do, How do you enforce it? Because, I I mean, I don't know about you, but I have this unique ability to talk myself out of a boundary almost every time I set one if I wanted to. Well,
0: for me, that's one of the nice things about being a bit of a type A. Um, As type A's, we don't do anything a little bit. Um, Amen. If if we're going to dive, if we're going to go dive into addiction, we're going to dive in all the way. And if we're going to dive into boundaries, we're going to dive in all the way. Um, what What I know of myself is that, once i get to the point where you know in in 12 steps you got to get to that place where you can recognize the need um and once i can get to that place um which most often is um (laughs) tends to be a little later than it should be (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but once i can get to that place um it's really not all that hard for me to go all right this is it i'm done and i i i create some uh some always and nevers in my life. This is what I will always do. And this is what I will never do. And, uh, and because I'm a type a, um, you know, if that's what I'm doing at the moment, I'm going to do it all the way, which, you know, is one of the benefits to being a, you know, with as many challenges as, as there are. So uh, do you write those down? Do you, I mean, how I, how do you, how do you
1: keep track of them in your head?
0: Yeah. So you know, I don't write them down. I do tell them the people, however, sure. people who love me. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I make sure that there are people who love me enough to throw the BS flag and uh, and just be honest and ask me how things are going um, and um, people who I have committed never to lie to. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, um, so that's that, most of the time the way I keep a hold of that. I'm also a very goal driven person. Um, you, Tony, you remember you and I were, um, kind of in trying to figure out how to do, uh, ru- how to run more, more regularly. Yeah. And, um, what I learned about myself is, um, I can run, I can train for a race. Um, as long as, cause as long as there's a goal in mind, I can get there. Um, but as a lifestyle, it's much harder for me. Um, you know, if there's a if there's an end goal that I'm trying to achieve, then um, then, man, all all um, nothing can stop me. But uh, um, wh- what I found was I ran two half marathons um, and the day after those half marathons, I didn't run again for six months. Wow. <laughs> just just because, you know, the goal was done. Why would I run, <laughs> you know? So So you set goals around your boundaries. Well, I do. And the other thing I'm learning, the older I get, the more I'm learning how important uh, lifestyle versus goals is. Goals are important, um, but if they don't manifest in lifestyle, um, then, you you know, I'm not sure they've really accomplished their task. Um, So um, I guess maybe a better way to say it is goals for goals sake aren't aren't always effective, but goals that contribute to a lifestyle change um, are effective. Wow. So er, er,
1: earlier on, you had mentioned how a lot of this feels like spiritual warfare for you. And, um, you know, because one of the goals of this podcast is to help people kind of reclaim their life and their faith, what do you do to connect with God on a regular basis to kind of battle back as you said the adversary
0: yeah the what i found is that the deeper i get in my faith the more um i want to use the word charismatic but i i want to be i i recognize all of the connotations that come with that Yeah, sometimes but, there's baggage yeah the more sp- i guess spirit led is, yeah. is a better word for a long time um faith was uh Faith was more of a function than it was a, um, you know, you did church, you did leadership, you did the, you know, you just did the tasks um, that created these outcomes, um, and I was very task and outcome driven. Um, the deeper I get into my faith, the more I'm I'm learning to be more spirit led. Uh, mm. That uh, that there is a there is a space. To to allow space, um, and this is tough for a type A like me to allow space for the unknown, um, the unproven, the um, uncertain, and to allow space for God to do something I haven't already worked out in my head um, has been a has been a real blessing for me and also a real challenge. Um, uh, I'm the I'm the type of guy who I'll I'll plan a years worth of sermon series out um you know and and have everything organized and and uh, have everything you know under wraps. And this year um though I did so, I did a lot of that work um I've also committed to um through the year some prayerful contemplation on um asking every every week or so God, what what in my plan needs to change? Um, and, uh, you know, and for somebody who's a very driven, you know, focused kind of person, that's a uh, uh, that's a scary question to ask. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, let, let's get even more practical. I mean, how do you dwell with the spirit on a regular basis or daily or or do you just do that once a week or like, what does your schedule look like in terms of dwelling with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being with God.
0: Yeah, so even, even that, for me, has has shifted a bit. Um, for most of my ministry, my, my rhythm has been daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. You know, daily prayer time and scripture reading, uh, weekly, Sabbath, um, monthly accountability connections, yearly retreat, renewal kind of stuff. And so, again, very task and um, structured. Right. Yeah. And, and it works. It, it It was a really it was important that I have that rhythm. Um, uh, as I take steps deeper into my faith, um, the the word I hear the spirit telling me to ask is, um, is it possible for Dave? Is it possible for you to allow the Holy Spirit to disrupt your rhythm, even even your God rhythms? Um, and uh, um, and that honestly, that's been really that's been really healthy for me because it's it's turned uh, my morning prayer and scripture reading from check the box into into a um, into a real time of God. Um, and it has allowed me to do some things. Um, you know, I, I've gotten into cooking, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I love to cook. And, uh, uh, for some reason, that's a, that's a real, that's a real spiritual thing that happens with when I'm cooking. And part of it is because, you know, um, my family is, no, uh, recognized that, uh, if dad's cooking, they better get to the house because uh, good, yeah. good food's on the table. It and brings so it, people. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, um, it fills a number of different holes. But uh, um, I, I guess what I'm – I don't even know how to really describe it because it's so new for me. Um, but for so long, my spiritual disciplines were very structured.
1: Yeah, um, A plus and, B equals C kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and, and so – so now God is challenging me you know don't don't throw away your structure but uh but what would happen if um or what what could you do you know and and uh and so god's really challenging me around uh um next level giving um financially to our through our church and and uh you know because i have always had a very structured approach to giving and right. uh, you know what would happen if and uh um you know. Also, uh, what would happen if um, you allowed the the leaders that you have trained and poured into to actually lead and uh, and to make decisions that you don't agree with, and and you get on board with their visions rather than making making everybody else get on board with yours? And um, so, I mean, I feel like I'm in the process of a bit of a, a renewal place when it comes to my spiritual disciplines. Um, I don't know where they're going to shake out, but uh, um, I know I'm, I'm moving from super structured to uh, more organic. I mean, it
1: sounds like God has you on this incredible journey of, of about giving up control. Yeah. The,
0: the other thing is that, you know, for me, um, I spent some time um, before I got to Cornerstone. I was in a wonderful church with wonderful people, but it wasn't a good fit for me. And, um, and it wasn't, and I wasn't a good fit for them. And, uh, and, uh, what I discovered during that time was that, um, I was, I was really struggling to be who God called me to be, um, because they wanted something else. Um, and, uh, um, I just had a conversation with one of my board members this morning and I sent him an email and I said, hey, man, I'm having this interview later on today. I'm a little nervous about it. We're interviewing a potential staff member and I'm a little nervous about it. And, and he sent me a text back that said, can I ask, give you some advice? Uh, and I'm like, sure, always. And his his answer was, be the winner that you are. <laughs> he said, stop whining, stop second guessing yourself and go out and make it happen. And. There was this moment where I realized, oh, my, that's who I am. That's yeah. the that's who, I, who my DNA is. I spent a long time second guessing that DNA because I was in a context that didn't value that kind of leadership. Um, but now I'm in a in a new place. And uh, um, I think part of my spiritual journey is just kind of reclaiming who God created me to be.
1: So what I mean, practically speaking, what, what are you reading? How does giving up control in your devotional time look on, on a daily basis? I mean, what what'd you do this morning?
0: Yeah, so this um I've been in the book of Proverbs here recently. Um I'm just uh the the whole wisdom sayings and just kind of reading through um you know I, um you know, listening for god's practical advice in my life it's kind of a new year tradition for me um you know new year trying to start new things i find a lot of great advice in the book of proverbs so um that's where i was this morning um you know I just you just read that and pray through it or like t- take me through i mean grab a cup of coffee get 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 into the weeds a little bit on this yeah yeah, yeah. so um i get up um i'm an early morning guy so i'm i'm up about 5 a.m um uh, first thing I do, I let the dog out. I get some coffee. Uh, me and the dog cuddle in the chair, and we do our devotions together. Um, you know, uh, same place every day. Yep, in my in my chair, um, uh, right there in the living room. Um, we've do got. You think it's important? Do you think it's important to have space for that sort of thing? You know, I, I've heard others talk about that—that that, you know, the chair mentality and that place. Um, I guess for me, um. I've moved so often that my, my place has shifted a lot. Yeah. So for me, the space is less important than the intentionality, um, that, that for the next 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it is, this is, this is time dedicated to God. The other, uh, um, the other discipline I have is that, um, until I've done that, um, I'm not allowed to read emails or te- check text messages. um, and most mornings, I see that little green light on my phone, and it just eats me alive <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and so but but for me, that's been a really good discipline, and it it uh um and so uh you know I guess read through the proverb once or do you multiple times or I'll, uh, um, so I'm reading, um, I'm doing 30 days in Proverbs. I do a chapter a day in Proverbs. Sure. Um, and uh, th- so 31 days um, I'm reading through Proverbs, started on January 1st. And I just spend some time reading it. Um, I do a little bit of a Lectio Divina style. I know that's a little nerdy for, uh, it's an it's an ancient way of reading scripture where um, you read it through one time and you just kind of ask, what's that what's that word that's popping off the page to me? Yeah. Then you read it through uh, and you spend a little time meditating on that. praying. Why, why is that popping off the page to me? Then I read it through a second time and I ask, OK, what's the sentence or phrase that uh, um, that I feel like God might be speaking to me through? Um, and then I read it through a third time and. Uh, and, uh, by the third time I'm, I'm kind of skimming it. Cause I know what, <laughs> I know what it says by that. Time. Um, but, uh, by the third time I, I, that's where I spend some time going, all right, God, what is it that you're telling me through this, through what I'm reading today? Um, and I just, um, I've learned to spend 70% of my time in prayer listening and 30% speaking. Um, yeah. and so I do sit and just, you know, um, I, i've got a little gas fireplace in front of my uh from my chair so i'll sit with the dog on my lap and just kind of stare into the fire and and just be silent um man it's like a norman rockwell painting in your house it's, it's nice it's, it's nice oh uh, and uh um uh, you know uh, when i'm done with the proverbs um you know i'm gonna you know there was uh my plan is to study the life of david um and uh not, Before, not you, David. Right. No, right. The biblical David, the David, David uh, in the Bible, right. right? Um, and to and to really, you know, kind of focus on him. Um, during uh during uh, February and March, and just you know, kind of reading through First and Second Samuel and Kings, and reading some of the pro uh um Psalms that David wrote and things that were written about David. I've got a, a you version. Um, I think it's U version maybe something else. Um, but uh, kind of thing that's uh, everything you need to know about David life, love and leadership. Oh, wow. uh, and so I'm kind of excited about that. Um, it's, it's really challenging for me. It, um, it's really tempting for me to use that time as sermon prep and, and, uh, and, you know, research time. And, um, and so, um, and, and I'm not always really good at, and sometimes I do. Um, sometimes I go, Ooh, this will make a great sermon and I'll, you know, Start writing. I have found that uh, the less I do it on my computer, the less likely I am to fall into that mode. Um, If I have my computer open in front of me, I'm likely to find something I really like and say, Ooh, this will make a great sermon and get lost in that rabbit trail. If I've got a hard book in front of me, you know, uh, an actual Bible, an actual book that somebody else has written, um, it's easier for me to stay focused. Oh, that's great. Now, do you, um, how how
1: do you manage the rest of your day, knowing, you know, the kind of person that you've kind of told us that you are, and trying to be spirit led and kind of living in that balance? Do you, uh, how do you how do you keep your calendar? How do you kind of break up some of your life so that you you build in the the margin that you need?
0: Yeah. So um, one of the things I've done is I I've uh, spent some time figuring out what are the things I I do best. And how do I do those more? And what are the things I do less well? And how do I do those less or empower other people to do them? And so that has led to a real development of my weekly calendar, um, where, um, my early, in my ministry, my dad gave me some really great advice. He said, never take Mondays off. Um, and I said, Which dad, is different for a lot of preachers, right? Yeah. I said, Dad, I'm exhausted on Monday. Why well, I am tired, I'm frustrated, I'm cranky, I'm you know, Sunday was a big day and I just wanna I just yeah, wanna that's really like act. a Sunday hangover, right? Yeah. And and he said, if you're gonna be tired and exhausted, be tired and exhausted at the office. Um, don't be tired and exhausted for your family. Now your dad was a preacher too, wasn't he? He right? was, yeah. And so that that was a, that was a big aha for me. So Mondays tend to be my administrative day. Um, the the administrative me I do a lot of meetings on Monday I do a lot of things that don't require a ton of creativity um, yeah because I just don't have it on Monday um, and uh, um, so I do a lot of administrative I work with our our I, we plan out the week um, on Monday we uh, you know we wrestle through any you know challenges that we discovered over last week and. And so Monday is really focused on administrative. My day usually starts around 6 a.m. Um, so Are that, you in the office at 6 a.m.? Um, I'm not. I usually start working from home. Um, and uh, I usually get in the office around 8-ish. Um, but my work day ends at 3. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, that's kind of a leftover from when my kids were in school. Um, now my granddaughter's living with us. And so every day at three o'clock I get to go pick her up from school and she and I get to spend some quality time together until her mom gets off work. Um, and, uh, and so I've structured my day that way. Um, the best thing I did for myself this year was give myself permission to take Wednesdays as a work from home day. Um, that was, that was revolutionary for me because I don't know what your office is like, um, but I can get zero um, study or writing done in my office. Okay. Um, so you kind of use that as a writing day. Yeah. At Wednesday is my writing day work from home. It's the day where I take all of the notes I've been collecting on whatever it is I'm going to be preaching on on Sunday. And I, uh, my goal is by Wednesday, it is in a 90% finished form. Now, um, are you
1: accessible to your office on that day or do you just they just know to shut shut it down don't bother Dave on Wednesday
0: um there there are three people who have access to me on on Wednesdays in my in my three who are those of, three? yeah my I I have a director team that works with me uh, um, an administrative director a worship director and a family ministries director and those folks know that they have access to me 24/7 um, uh, on Wednesdays anyway and everybody else has to go through them Got it. Uh, so I'll answer their calls um, and uh you know, I'll I'll check emails and texts and stuff like that. But in general, I try to really kind of seclude myself. Um, And uh, I also know um, that I'm most creative uh, between uh, 5 a.m. and about uh, once I hit noon, uh, my brain just kind of turns into uh, most of those creative juices are done. Yeah, Uh, I can do lots of administrative things afternoon. I can take meetings afternoon, and everything. But if I want to be um, spirit led creative, um, that most often happens before noon. So most how, of my, how long did it take
1: you, Dave, to set up that, um, kind of culture where people know not to bother you on Wednesday? How long did it take you to figure out, like if I, if I'm a, a kind of just understanding this idea of rhythms and work life rhythm and balance, how long did it
0: take you to figure all that out? Cause that, that sounds genius. So, when I got to when I first got to Cornerstone, um, is a brand new church. I don't know their rhythms. They don't know mine, and we're we're trying to figure each other out. So I'm in the office every day, just trying sure. to figure out what's going on, who does what. Because right,
1: you've only been there six months, right?
0: Right. Um, and about three months in, I recognized that I was I was being forced to write because of all the things that were happening in the office, there's always this person popping in or that need popping up or whatever. Um, my focused message time was getting pushed further and further back. And all of a sudden I'm writing on my days off. All of a sudden I'm I'm writing in, in times where I feel like I haven't had enough time to really process. And uh, I, I recognize that um, my ability to, focus on the number one thing I was hired to do was suffering because I was, I was in the office. And so I said, all right, something's got to change. And so about four months in, I, I went to our staff and I said, Hey, listen, guys, um, the, I do a lot of things around here, but the most important thing I do is preach. Um, and I need to create some time to make that excellent. Um, and so we moved two meetings and we, we shifted a bunch of things and, uh, Um, So now, um, so it took me four months to figure that out in a new, in a new setting, but that's also based on, you know, 15 years of learning my own rhythms and my own, and how, uh, how a message comes together for me. Now you're the boss. So that, that makes that goal a little bit easier.
1: What would you say to like somebody who's maybe just a, a a creator or a manager and they're kind of in that middle How would you tell them to go about making that sort of change so that they could adjust their schedule?
0: Yeah, I spent a lot of time in that second chair. um, and, and now, um, now I have others who are in that, that second chair, my directors and other people who work with me. Um, I, I guess two things. When I was in that chair, I felt like it was my responsibility to tell my, my ultimate authority, whoever my leader was, uh, Whether it was a director or a senior pastor, um, to help them understand how I can be most effective, yeah, uh, and then demonstrate that. Um, And so um, I remember uh, I was working at a large church, and they had it was kind of a big machine, and you know everything had its place. And and, uh, um, I remember my wife had Thursdays off, Um, and so it was really important for my marriage to take Thursdays off with her. Um, But that was not the rhythm of that, the way things worked. And I was not the boss. (laughs) And so I had to to spend some time doing some lobbying and and helping those who were in decision making places around me saying, listen, what you don't want on your team, Dave with marriage problems you know uh, right that's what you don't want right and most leaders don't want anybody on their team with with uh, marriage problems right and so um and so i advocated and um i'm thankful that i had i had some leaders around me who saw that dave can be at his best for our team if we're willing to shift some things because of their example i try to be that leader for my team and so um Right now, we're in, in first two weeks of January. I'm doing one-on-ones with all of our staff, and one of the questions I'm asking is, "How can I be a better partner to you as you lead and direct your ministry area? What could, what can I do? What can I do to help you? What what systems or structures do you do I need to help you build in order for you to be the excellent leader God's called you to be?" Um, and I see it as my role. Um, to listen carefully to that, and to be willing to go. Um, I just had a conversation with our worship director the other day. His wife works uh, noon to eight, um, and I and he's in the office at you know nine a.m. Uh, and I said, why are you here? You know, why have you not shifted your schedule to noon to eight? Um, yeah. said, well, we have a couple of morning meetings. I'm like, then you walk into my office and say, hey Dave, is there any way we can move these morning meetings to noon? Um, and the answer is yes. And so next week we we've shifted those meetings so that because I know I don't want a worship leader with marriage problems. (laughs) Right. Um, And uh, um, so now now how do you incorporate fun into your life in in terms of,
1: you know, we've kind of hit the spiritual side. We've hit the work side. Uh, How do you
0: how do you get fun? Yeah, I think um, anybody who knows me knows that. you bring the party with you? I don't do a lot that isn't fun. <laughs> um, if it isn't fun, I'm probably not doing it very long. Right. Uh, you know that from trying to teach me how to run. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Um, you know, uh, I, I I believe that when you are doing, when you are in the center of God's will for your life, it is both rewarding and meaningful, but it is also fun. Um one of the reasons I I uh, shifted my shifted positions from one church to another was because I came to the conclusion I'm just not having fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and so I, I, there's a whole fun element to work. I've also learned that I need to um, I need to be as a potential addict. Um, I need to be careful not to let work be my only fun. And so um you know, I, I've been really getting into th- this whole cooking thing. For me, has been just incredibly fun. Um, I love my favorite thing is to go on, uh, you know, Google, find some recipe that that nobody's ever, I've never seen or heard of before. Go buy some ingredients that I've never, you know, cooked with before, and you know, make this creation that my family goes, oh my god, that's amazing. I do uh, the same thing when I order pizza. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> try this new ingredient; it's delicious. Um, but uh, um, you know, so for Christmas we got an air fryer and my and uh, you know one of those stand mixers and stuff like that because my kids know that that's how I have fun. Sure. And, and so, um, so that's been good. Um, I think also I just need uh, I need people who I can laugh with. You know, um, I I try never to take life too seriously. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I am very driven and I am very focused, and I think what I do is a matter of life and death, um, but I think um, it is also a matter of um, demonstrating that when God is at there, a, a sense of joy, uh, yeah. that part of, part of my role as a leader, a Christian leader, is to demonstrate that joy, not just happiness, but joy um, is, a, is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. That's awesome. So we're early in 2019.
1: Um, any, anything you're trying to work in? I mean, no, you mentioned being spirit led, but practically, is there anything that you're trying to, to work? I mean, any marathons you're signing up for anything like that? 2019?
0: Yeah, no marathons. Uh, and if there was a cooking marathon, I am down. Um, <laughs> uh, if I could get on iron chef or something like that, yeah. sign me, up. I would be down for that in two seconds. Um, you know, I think the, some of the goals for 2009 one of the things I heard in 2018 at Cornerstone um, was that marriages at Cornerstone are in trouble. Cornerstone yeah. is a upper middle class, rather affluent community. In uh, Northern Cincinnati, right? Yeah, uh, where it's really easy to, uh, um, you know, a lot of P&G and GE execs and that type of thing who are working 80 hours a week um, and who's you know, who are struggling to balance work-life balance with family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there was a point at which I had a 10 day span where I had five couples come into my office, couples that from the outside, you would say rock solid marriage, walk Mm -hmm. in my office and say, uh, tomorrow we might get divorced. Wow. Uh, It is just that close. And it just really shook me. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm really focused this year. January, we're doing a whole se- – January and February, we're doing an eight-week series on marriages. You're going to come and do a marriage retreat for yeah, us. Yeah. we're um, excited for that. Yeah, we're going to focus on uh, uh, parenting. and, and, and um, We've really spent some time in 2018 saying, what are the needs in our community? And in an affluent community, it's easy to hide those. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's one we've recognized. And so we're really focused on that. Um, the other thing I'm really excited about is, like, like I mentioned, Cornerstone is a 25 year old church plant. Um, Cornerstone was planted by. Twenty five or so young families who were mission driven, focused on being the light of Christ in this community and. um and passionate about what God had called them to do. That's what planted cornerstone. That's what blew it up. And that's what uh created cornerstone into what it is today. Um, those folks are now retiring. Um, and they're moving to North Carolina and they're moving to Florida and they're you know going to the lake on the weekends and you yeah, know, yeah. beach and all that kind of stuff. And so um, we're, we're beginning, those folks are beginning to step into a new season of life. And what we have not done a good job of is, um, redeveloping that next generation of young leaders. Um, so I just sent out an email to, uh, 25, uh, couples, individuals and couples in our congregation under 40, um, who I believe have the potential to become the next driving force for the next season of Cornerstone. And I'm inviting them to a year long, small group experience where, that uh, that I facilitate. And my hope is um, that as I pour into them spiritually, they're gonna pour into me and into each other with some of their um, uh, business gifts that they've learned. And some of the, you know, a lot of these folks are Upper upper management kind of folks. Many of them own their own companies and, and stuff like that. So they've learned a lot of things. Um, they're en- yeah, they're entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, I was just talking to my worship leader yesterday about time management. And, uh, you know, I told him, I said, you need to be a part of this group so that you can learn from some of these other young leaders who have figured some of this stuff out and learn their secrets and that type of thing. So I'm really excited about that. I, I think. My understanding after six months of Cornerstone is that Cornerstone is, after 25 years, is started as an incredibly focused, mission-driven organization. And then 25 years um, created some scope creep, you know, yeah. and, uh, um, and they are hungry to refocus. And so in, in March, we're going to do uh, what I call an identity discovery process where we really re-dig into who are we, who is God calling us to be, our mission, vision, and values, and then this fall kind of relaunch the church. And my hope is that these young leaders who have been part of this discipling relationship become the the next generation of drivers of our church. Yeah, in a lot of ways
1: you're reclaiming the, the life and faith of, of Cornerstone, it sounds like. Yeah. Now, do you do you think that uh, with those leaders, small group-wise, just real practical, real fast, um, are you going to meet with them weekly, bi-weekly, once a month? What are you going to do?
0: Yeah, so my plan is once a month in person, once a month uh, via the internet. Um, do a Zoom opportunity once a month where you can kind of log in and connect, and then once a month in my home. Interesting. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited for
1: you and for Cornerstone and what God's doing there, and certainly it sounds like An incredible time.
0: I'd love to follow up at some point and hear how that leadership group is going. Yeah. For me, the biggest trick is the reality, the reality that all of us as leaders live into. There is no good time to schedule it. Yeah, it just doesn't exist. And so you just have to pull the trigger um, and go on faith and and remind folks that there is always time and money for that which we value most.
1: That's awesome. Now, what about in your own faith walk? Any personal personal goal for you,
0: 2019? Yeah, I, I think you know some of the ambiguity you were hearing earlier. As I move from structure into more spirit led, um, I'm really intent and focused on trying to figure out exactly what that means for me. You know, what does a spirit led, less tactical Dave look like? Wow. Uh, and. Uh, um, and so that, that, you know, I think that's a very scary place for me to be because I, I have a feeling that's going to require a whole lot more listening than it requires uh, planning and action. And I'm pretty good at planning and action. Not always great at listening. That's awesome. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for
1: your vulnerability, your authenticity today. Thank you for just being uh, an incredible guy who's, who's walking through the balance of life and faith. If um if anybody wants to know more about you or Cornerstone, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
0: Yeah, uh, cornerstonechurch.org is our um our website. Uh, dhood at cornerstonechurch.org is my uh, email address. Um and come you know come and hang out with us sometime. Give me a give me a uh, send me out an email or something like that. I'd love to connect with you and and uh, um I'd say those are the best ways to do that. And the marriage retreat in February, uh, it's the first weekend in February, open to everyone? Yeah, February 1st and 2nd, you can go on the Cornerstone website and sign up. It's only 50 bucks. you get three meals, Tony's book, and a lifetime worth of um, life lessons. Uh, we've been using the phrase, this is an opportunity for you to invest in the second most important relationship you'll ever have. Oh man, sounds exciting. I know I'm excited to be there
1: Uh, Karen's excited to be there. It's going to be a a great weekend. Yeah. Hey, brother. Thank you
0: so much for your time today. Uh, Hey, thanks, man. I couldn't be me without you. So I appreciate you.
1: Well, everybody, that's it. That's my conversation with Reverend David Hood. I hope you find it as rich and as meaningful as I did. In two weeks, a new podcast coming at you with... Reverend Dr. Rosario Picardo, Dean of the Chapel at United Theological Seminary, and Ross has an interesting story because he's bivocational pastor, dean, author, coach, and we're going to dive into how he looks and operates with so many different hats. Hope you'll join us. Hope you'll continue to subscribe and be a part of the Reclamation Podcast
0: like what you heard, please take a minute to rate and share so others like you can find good practices for faith and life.